0: Um, But, you know, that's the reality of our hearts, isn't it? One one scholar put it this way. You can never break commandments 1 through 9 without first breaking commandment 10. That to covet leads to all the rest uh, of those things. And just as a little aside about that story, especially the one about uh, the the silver dollar. I gave Bard back his, and uh, I still have that one that I got from my parents as a reminder to be satisfied with what we have and to be thankful for what we have. Today, we're going to look at a great story. It's a true story, by the way, and it's our story. It's the story of all of history. It's the story of all of nature. It's God's redeeming story and how it plays out. And we're going to begin looking at this story by looking together over in Revelation chapter 12. Just a little note, you'll notice there's no S on that book of the Bible. It's Revelation. Uh, Revelation chapter 12. And if you've got your Bibles, flip over there. How many of you guys spend a lot of time reading Revelation? <laughs> Not many of you, a few of you. It's kind of confusing. Uh, It's cool at one level because there's all kinds of imagery in there and there's these numbers and there's books galore about trying to interpret numbers and and how it all works out in the end. And if you know some theological terms, some people will go and they've asked me. I was uh, having a guy doing some work on our home one time and he goes, uh, he knew that I was a pastor. And he goes, Pastor, I don't normally do this when I'm uh, installing uh, equipment, but I was just wondering, are you a a pre-tribulation, you know, rapture guy? And I was like, well, and I was like, I really don't want to get into that with you right now. And so there's all this pre trib and post tribulation and amillennialism and post millennialism. And you guys are looking at me kind of like, what in the world? Well, I'll tell you the greatest answer to that. It's this here's where we need to be. And it's called pan millennialism. Okay? Does that make sense? Pan it means it's all going to pan out in the end. <laughs> all right? Because the great thing about Revelation, is this. We may not know all of the particulars, but we know this much. We know who wins. At the end of the day, God wins, which means that those who are with him win as well. So you can get interested in studying Revelation and and talk about it, and it's really fascinating in many ways, but don't get lost In that one simple truth. What John the pastor is trying to teach us is this. There is something cosmic and mysterious and huge going on simultaneously with recorded history. And we don't understand it fully, but at the end of the day, God wins. He has sealed the victory and he's going to return again one day and he's going to make everything right and new and he's going to start, as it were, a new history, a new heaven and a new earth that we get to be with him, those who are redeemed by Christ and we get to be and serve and to rule with him in some mysterious way and how that looks, I don't know. But he says it's going to happen and therefore we can trust that it will. And what we're going to begin looking at is this cosmic story of Christmas. How many of you have really thought about it that way? When you think of Christmas, what are the first things that come to mind? A tree? A manger? uh, Shepherds? Kings? Presents? Snow? Well, maybe not snow around here, but, you know, just all the imagery. How many of you, when you think of Christmas, think of red dragons? Women, cosmic women giving birth. Fleeing into the, the desert to find safety for their child. Any of that come to mind? No, of course not. But that's almost more real than the story of Christ being born in a manger and the shepherds coming around and it being sweet and sentimental and gushy and all of that. For the story of the incarnation, that is Christ's advent in our midst, is, it is so much more than sentimental. And so, what we're going to do over these next four weeks is we're going to talk about that together. We're going to step back a little bit and have some fun. And we're going to try to expand our horizons on this, to try to to captivate our imaginations. To try, my hope in this is that you will see the plan of God more clearly and you'll notice how absolutely gigantic it is. And that your story is a part of His story in that. And that means your story is no little insignificant story it has cosmic implications and cosmic meanings I hope you know that so let's ask now for God to bless our time reading his word and then opening it together let's pray father would you come now by your spirit bless this the reading and the hearing of your word we pray in Christ's name amen revelation chapter 12 And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. And she was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains, and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in the heavens. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. And his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth." And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. And she gave birth to a male child, one who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now war arose in heaven and Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on, on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold on to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood On the sands of the sea, this is God's word. Wow, isn't that cool? At least for every guy in here, that was really cool. I don't know if it's this way in your home, but I I feel sorry for my dear wife. She's the mother of three boys, and we like to go see movies like The Hobbit uh, and you know war movies uh, and J.R. Tolkien's great trilogies and all these things of stories of adventure and war movies and all of this, and she goes, wouldn't it be great to watch this? And you can imagine with the boys, oh, mom, and I'm going, oh, honey, and then I'm like, boys, respect your mother, but maybe we'll... Because stories like this captivate our hearts. They captivate our imaginations. What were some of those images that came to your mind? a great red dragon with a tail that swept out the stars and there was war and there was battle and he was cast down and there was archangels who were there and there were saints who were with him and there was all of this stuff going on and it says that he was cast down into the earth and then he was not satisfied with that and he was angry and it says that, that a flood poured out of his mouth and tried to pursue uh, the church and the saints and try to kill them up and I said the earth opened up and it took down the water so that it protected them and all of these things going on. And it's just this awesome imagery. It's this incredible story that's taking place uh, of cosmic proportions. And I imagine for most of you, you have never considered the Christmas story in that way. We love St. Luke and St. Matthew's stories. Cold winter's night. Sweet little Mary, on a donkey, about to give birth, goes with Joseph. And they go and, can I stay here? No, not here. And they finally find the stable. And it's sweet. And the cattle are lowing. And not a, a cry poor sweet Jesus makes, which, by the way, is heresy. He was a baby. He cried. He, he was human in that way. And so we like to stay there. Why? It's sweet. It's sentimental. It's nice. And we like nice things. We like them wrapped up nicely. We like the bow tied nicely. We, we like everything in order. We, we like it all there. And what we're going to look at both today and over the next few weeks together is that God wants to move you out of your sentimental view of birth of Christ, but even more than that, to move you out of your sentimental view of your life, of your story. You see, we all love stories, don't we? What are some of your favorite stories? Stories like Cinderella or Snow White or, or Pretty Woman uh, or even uh, Beauty and the Beast or Lamez or or whatever the stories are. Why do we love these stories? Because they're stories of redemption, there stories of things which seem to be dead or dying or things which are under a curse. Somehow there's a prince and a knight that rides in and with the simplicity of a kiss, all of a sudden beauty comes back. Freedom is enjoyed. All of the screen, instead of being dark and brown, lights up with colorful pictures and, and all of these glorious things. And we look and we go, we love these stories. They move us. They affect us uh, in many ways. Guys, again, as a man to men, it's okay to be moved by these stories. It doesn't make you less of a man to be caught up in it. Because even in the midst of all of these things, there's you. You see, we resonate with these stories because there's one story from which every other story is derived. And that is the story of God. It is the story of a creator who created all things perfect in his image and the villain entered in and through the tyranny and the influence of the villain, darkness entered in and darkness crept forward and seemingly uh, was, uh, was unable to be stopped. And it was always winter and never Christmas and so we look and we wonder, who is it that's going to come and protect us from the white witch? Who is it that's going to come and to redeem this story? For sometimes that's the story where we look around and we look and go, God had this story. And even in, way back in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, he said these words. He said, ah, but the seed of the woman will crush the head of the seed of the serpent. And the seed of the serpent will bruise his heel He set it up right there. Did you know that? That the gospel was presented perfectly to you right there in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. That there was going to be a seed of the woman. There was going to be Christ born. That he was going to come and he was going to be the champion. And that he was going to come in and give a fatal blow to the seed of the serpent. And crush him on his head. And all the serpent could do was bruise him on the heel. Not a fatal blow at all, but a war taking place. And so we look, and all of a sudden we realize that our stories, our need of redemption, what we look at on the TV or the, on, the, on the big screen or listen to in musicals or go to ballets to watch, we see all of it capturing our stories. That's what we're going to be talking about. For in this story that we're looking at, it's God's story. A story of creation and fall. A story of redemption, of battles, of struggles. And ultimately one day, a story of glory where there'll be no more sorrow. Did a funeral yesterday and there were lots of tears. Why? Because death had invaded into this world again and it's not welcome here. You do realize that you weren't designed to die. That's why death is so disruptive to us we were designed to live forever but evil came in and it said that sin came in and with sin death and so we struggle against it so the ultimate victory is going to be that one day when there'll be no more saying goodbyes no more death no more sorrow no more cancers no more anything but all made right and true and all of creation it says is groaning under this waiting for that day have you ever gone and walked out on the beaches that we have here or stepped into the woods and looked and thought, as glorious and magnificent as this is, it's not nearly as beautiful as it will be one day. I mean, you can just look out the windows here. What are the effects of sin on the trees that you see out there? I don't know, but it's some effect. I can't wait to see what a tree looks like without the effects of sin on it. I can't wait to see what a sunrise looks like without the effect of sin and the fall on it, or the tides ebbing and flowing, or the dolphin playing. You can't wait for that, for that's our story. It's a bigger story, and your story is intermingled into the middle of it, and the only way that your story finds any meaning is for you to engage the greater story. If You see, there's a lot of players in the story that we have, and we're going to unpack them a little bit. But we see that this is their Christ who is coming as the prince who gives us that kiss and forever changes us. In some ways, what we have here today is the kiss of a prince. Come unto me, all you who are in deep slumber, who are wrestling with the fall. Come unto me and receive my embrace. I'll make you new. I'll make your feet like the hinds feet and I will make you dance on high places. I will restore in you a joy of your salvation. I will bring to you a peace that transcends anything that this world could ever offer on its best day. He says, come and be kissed. Come and engage the embrace of your father in heaven here at a table. You see, it's all part of the story. What we sing on Sunday mornings, what we do in our liturgies, what we do throughout the course of our days. Let me read you this from Eugene Peterson. Many of you are familiar with it. We try to make this Christmas story sweet, and it is sweet, but we need to think more. He writes this This is not the nativity story we grew up with, but it is the nativity story all the same. Jesus' birth excites more than wonder, it excites evil. Herod, Judas, Pilate, it is St. John's spirit-appointed task to supplement the work of St. Matthew and St. Luke so that the nativity cannot be sentimentalized into coziness, nor domesticated into drabness, nor commercialized into worldliness. He makes explicit what is implicit in the gospel stories. The splendors of creation and the agonies of redemption combine in this event This center where God in Christ invades existence with redeeming life and decisively defeats evil. It is St. John's genius to take Jesus in a manger attended by shepherds and wise men and put him in the cosmos attacked by a dragon. The consequences to our faith is that we are fortified against intimidation. Our response to the nativity cannot be reduced to shutting the door against a wintry world, drinking hot chocolate and singing carols. Rather, we are ready to walk out the door with, as one psalmist put it, high praises of our God in our throats and two-edged swords in our hands, Psalm 149. You see, this story that we're talking about, it changes how we approach things. We have a Christmas tree i was joking with patrick lingle as we were putting it up and decorating it this week there's something missing on there you notice what's missing a red dragon how many of you guys have red dragon ornaments anybody No, of course not you look and go what in the world why would i want a red dragon well why would you want a red dragon Hang on your Christmas tree. Could it possibly be as a reminder of the fact that that dragon has been defeated and cast down, and he's your enemy who that little sweet baby defeated on the cross? And it would be a constant reminder of the true meaning of Christmas, so much more than a a star or even a a ball of light or anything else. You see, there are all these characters who are there, and we're going to introduce them over the course of the next weeks. We're going to look at the dragon and who he is, the woman. And who she is. What takes place in all of this. What it means to live a life. Being in the battle. But yet the battle being won. You do realize that. And this is where we're going to end. I wasn't kidding when I said the most important thing. That you need to know about Revelation. Is the fact that Christ won. Why is that important to know? Would you be intimidated at all. If for one moment God pulled back the spiritual blindness that we have. You see, we live in a Western civilization. It's very proof-oriented. It's very scientific. And we don't believe much in the spiritual dynamic. I've talked with people and gone, Satan's greatest strategy for us as Westerners is this, it's to remove the spiritual. That we don't believe in Satan. Or if we do, he's just a little red guy with a fork and a bifurcated tongue, and he runs around scary, and he has his own potted meat company. That's about all that we think about Satan. Some of you are going, what? It'll come to you later. (laughs) What if God, at this very moment, pulled back the blindness that we have to the spiritual and you saw behind you a cosmic red dragon with floods of water coming out at you, trying to get you? How would you respond? I used to try to motivate the kids on my little t-ball team to get them to run with passion towards the bases that I would say, now think about it, there's a big run like there's a big bear behind you. And I'd run behind them and I'd go, Rah! and those kids like, like and they'd keep running and they'd just run right through first base and forget to turn left, but at least I got them running. And it was because of the imagery of this bear behind them. Well, think about how you would react if you realized that behind you, Christian, is a cosmic enemy in the form of a red dragon. That says my only desire is to crush you. And if I can't crush you. I will make your life as difficult as possible. says in here that he's the deceiver. I'll try to confuse you. I'll try to mix things up for you. I'll try to make you think that that which is dark is light and that which is light is dark and that which is truth isn't true and that which is lies becomes true. I'm going to do all of these things. Why? Because I want to destroy you. But in that same imagery, if you could see that child grown to be a king seated upon a stallion wielding a sword and saying, I've won. Don't be afraid of that dragon. He might shoot fire at you he might scream at you, but he can't touch you. You're mine. So go and live boldly in this world, ever cognizant that there is evil, but never so afraid of it that it keeps you paralyzed. Because he's on a short leash. And it says in this passage we read that his time is short. And so that's where we live. That's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. Does that make sense to you? Some of you are going, no idea. Some of you are going, this is cool. This is awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. I hope you'll dive into Revelation a little bit and just try to to think about some of the pictures there. But always thinking, Christ is one. Christ is victor in that. And so now, with that imagery in mind, We come to a table. And you know what this table represents? Victory. This table represents victory. And it says, to all of those who have been purchased by the blood of that child that was born, who was pursued but who defeated the enemy and was thrown down, to all, you get to come and find life together here. And so let's pray and then let's sing. And then let's come to this table, this cosmic table that's so much more than bread and wine. But it is the story that gives our story any meaning at all. Let's pray. Father, thank you for stories. Thank you for ours. Thank you for mine. That I can look back and see your hand all along the way your hand of protection, that I can see and even feel the breath of that enemy breathing, but yet I can see my Savior who has defeated him. Father, I pray that as we come and we come to this table, as we sing, that we would always be mindful of the greater story, that it gives ours meaning. And Father, for some who are here who don't understand at all what I'm talking about, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them today. And that they would find their champion in you. And they, for the first time, could quit trying to fight the evil one on their own. And would allow you to defeat their Goliaths and their dragons. They'd allow you to let them come into their rest. This we pray today in Christ's name. Amen.